0: Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 58 of the Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I am Jason Tucker here with Jesse Skiffington. Merry Christmas, Jesse.
1: Merry Christmas, Jason. It's not <laughs> even Thanksgiving. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, we're recording in real time here. It's just after the midterm elections and uh, all that craziness. And I got to tell you, I turned the news on this morning. I, 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 you know, Before I got into the whole ministry thing, I was a political science major and kind of pre-law track and just so, I kind of geek out on some of that stuff and it's, it's fun to watch from, you know, just to observe and flip through the different channels and news outlets and see who's saying what about what. But this morning, the best part about this morning and watching the news, all the commercials, there's not one political ad. <laughs>
0: that
1: was the best part. But this is the shocker about it, right? It's, I don't know, what day is it? November 7th in real time? Almost every ad, instead of being a political ad, was a Christmas ad. So, yeah. we're, we got, so now we get two months of that. So I
0: feel like we're very timely. Or actually, you know what we should do? I think this will really gain us a lot of listeners. If let's just scrap what we were going to talk about and just talk about how we voted and why. I, yeah. I think that would be, wouldn't that be great?
1: Well, my People daughter, Addie, that. she did ask, she said, So, Dad, who did you vote for? And I was like, I, don't, I mean, she's eight, you know, I could probably talk to her through some of the decisions and things. And I was like, you know, it just, it's not quite time for that. I said, well, it's kind of personal. And, you know, here's some things I think about, but it's important to vote because it's, you know, we're, you know, it's part of our privilege as Americans to be part of the process and whatever. And then she said, well, who won the red people or the blue people? <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah, great. She, gets it. Yeah. she said, she just wanted to know which color came out on top. So anyway,
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, We will probably never talk about politics. Anyway, we are talking about Christmas, which is not really political at all, because just about everyone, at least in our community, celebrates, at least on a cultural level, the season of Christmas. I mean, we're down, you know, downtown Red Bank down here. They've already put up their Christmas lights on kind of the main drag there on Broad Street. Uh, Starbucks has their holiday cups out. Like it is game on culture is in on the Christmas season. And so I feel like even more so than Easter, there's so much opportunity to leverage the popularity of the Christmas season with, with what's going on at church with the message of the gospel, all that stuff. It's a nice soft landing or, or maybe a, an easier invite to bring people in uh, during this Christmas season. Do you find that to be true where you guys are?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I I was shocked a little bit by the buildup to Halloween this year. I mean, that's become a whole giant industry in itself. And there was a month of buildup to Halloween. So I feel like the fall now is really preparing for Halloween and, and then Christmas and Thanksgiving sort of gets, I think is now kind of, position in with Christmas as part of that whole season of Thanksgiving and service and generosity and all those things. So, so to capture those themes in culture that really do reflect God's heart, even if it's commercialized and kind of crazy and out of hand to point, to use that as an opportunity to bring people into relationship with us, into our, into the message of the gospel, uh, or even inside the doors of the church for some things. I think we would be, you know, we'd be missing it if we didn't, uh, if we didn't take advantage of that opportunity. So I do, I do think it is an opportunity and we can be really strategic about how we approach that in a way that contributes to people's experience of of Christmas and the Thanksgiving to Christmas stretch doesn't overburden our own people who are already busy and doing a lot that time of year, but really maximizes that opportunity to reach people who are not necessarily church people. And so uh, yeah, so we're gonna talk some strategies for that, some things that you guys are doing at Tower Hill, some things that we're thinking about out here at Brainview, and you know really kind of an open conversation. I'm sure uh those of you listening in that are you know working in churches, maybe your pastors or leaders in the church, you're already thinking about this. you already have plans in place. maybe some of these ideas can kind of supplement what you're doing or be a strategy that you look at going down the road maybe a year out or whatever. But uh, so we're going to jump into that. And as we do, of course, we want to point you to um, our Facebook page, our Facebook group there, Reclaim Leader. We'd love to have you there. Uh, Of course, uh, we want to, of course, always mention our sponsor Belay Solutions and all the great work they're doing to to help us really maximize uh, our leadership through administrative help that we need. And so whether it's web services and you need help with your website or bookkeeping or different kinds of things like that or even just this virtual assistant thing that Jason's been doing can be a big help to you in your role so that you can do what only you can do as a reader in in the local church. So having said those things, let's jump into this conversation uh, about Christmas and how we can maximize our Christmas outreach and really capitalize on this time when the culture is paying attention.
0: Yeah, I think um, where I always start every year, Uh, Is born out of a frustration, and here's what I mean. So, for years as a pastor, I would always notice, even when I was in a very small uh, congregation, Christmas time, especially Christmas Eve, the place would swell with visitors, and it would be one of one of the biggest, you you know, highest capacity worship services that that we ever had uh, throughout the year. And I would often think, you know, I mean, that's great, but what's What's the call to action? What is it that that we want to happen as a result of the fact that they're in the building? Is there something we could do to follow up? Is there recognizing that a lot of people are guests and they're probably never coming back until next Christmas because they don't live in the area or whatever? But there are plenty of people who do live in the area who do only come. You know that we joke a lot in church world about CNE Christians, but that's a reality. I mean, that's when they come. That's when they're they're looking for that comfort food of a Christmas experience that involves what the real meaning is. It involves a nostalgia for things of the past. It involves uh, Nat King Cole (laughs) singing about Christmas. It involves um, choirs singing uh, great hymns of the church. And so how do we take all of that but do something intentional with it? And so usually I begin... Um, by we sit down with our team and we start talking about, okay, what are our goals? We want to have, uh, an event or two that intentionally reaches out to a category of people that may not come here on Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. right? We want something that really reaches wide. And then we also want something for our people that has to do with kind of like the church traditions and, you know, things that they look forward to every year. And we want to make sure that our messages are accessible, great, Christmassy, you know, don't do anything crazy. Like, again, they want the mac and cheese. Don't, don't throw jalapenos in the mac and cheese at Christmas time. Don't, don't do some kind of weird sermon series that has nothing to do with Christmas. And, you know, because you're so tired of preaching about Christmas, people want to come to hear about Christmas. And so, yeah. Yeah. So with yeah, that I in would mind. Say, yeah. yeah.
1: I would even interrupt just to say, it's not even that people want to hear about Christmas. People need to hear the message of Christmas as a follower of Jesus. I need to hear the message of Christmas well, uh, every day, but certainly at least once a year for four weeks or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Don't, I, I think there is that temptation. We are just having this debate when it came to the songs we sing and, you know, let's do something different this year. And I'm like, no, listen, we're not doing no, because it's, People are here to to remember and to kind of have that rootedness again. And if we change it up just because we're tired of playing the same old songs or saying the same old message, that's we're doing it for us and not for them. Yeah, so exactly. really keep your audience in mind with this one.
0: Yeah. So we um so usually as I start thinking about messages and stuff, I actually have found that if I go to outreach.com, they're not a sponsor of the podcast, but I, I love the stuff that they that they do. And uh, I go to outreach.com and I see whatever their Advent series is and I purchase it. I purchase their church campaign kit. I think it's like maybe 200 bucks or something like that. But it comes with all the graphics, all the bumper videos, uh, you know, a, an outline for sermons during Advent. And it's, it's very kind of a traditional layout. But, and then I usually write my own sermons around those topics. But the idea is then all the production value is excellent. It's not something that we have to create. The, you And outreach.com, you could buy banners that go with the sermon series. I mean, I suggest going big at Christmas. If you're going to go big one time a year. I'd go big at Christmas. And um, and so that's usually how the last couple of years, how we've been building it out. They also have an Advent devotional that goes with the sermon series. That's this beautiful, beautiful booklet that they produce. And so we buy like 500 of them and we just give them out to anybody that want, wants one as a way of you know, just a free, hey, here you go. We want a devotional during Advent and it's it looks great, great content. So that's one of the things we do and we kind of base everything around kind of what we're doing preaching wise.
1: Yeah, I like that idea because what you're then you're not having to reinvent the wheel or, or spend all that time coming up with that, generating that content. Somebody out there, as, again, in that idea of partnering with folks that are doing great work. Rather than feeling the pressure to produce all that yourself, so that's a good tip right there. Find find something out there that you like, and if you maybe don't want to go, uh, if you don't have the budget to maybe do that, I don't know what the ballpark cost on that is, Jason.
0: Yeah, it was a like two hundred bucks, bucks, I think, for everything.
1: Um, yeah, and then maybe the devotionals are on and then top the of devotionals that.
0: Devotionals were more,
1: bit. yeah. So, but maybe you don't have that money one thing that, that you can do is you can just, you can actually just search, you know, Christmas message series, and you can find something that grabs your attention. Maybe another church has done in the past, or you can search for images and maybe find a, a slide that really captures your imagination. I would recommend email the church that made it and ask permission to use it. I'll do that sometimes when I find a great image or slide. And almost always people say yes or I don't hear back from them and I use that silence as permission. So,
0: <laughs>
1: But I do think there is pressure sometimes when you're trying to generate really great professional looking content. It can be hard to do. So find a, find a great way to do it that uh, sets you up for success and where you can focus your time on the messages, on uh, the other events and activities that are going to be going on in the Christmas season. And uh, I think, yeah, yeah. Really good tip. So outreach is a great option. Um, and you can find, uh, other options are out there too, to kind of do the same sort of thing.
0: Absolutely. The other thing we do is once we kind of get our, our list of events and activities that we have together, we produce a postcard and it's actually, we just, they just came in the mail. Although our listeners obviously can't see our postcard came in and, um, it's, uh, it's got, Tower Hill Church Christmas 2018 with like an image on the front, Christmassy kind of image on the back. It says, celebrate with Tower Hill. What I'll do is I'll I'll take a picture of this postcard and we'll link it in our show notes so you know exactly kind of what we do, get an idea. But the big thing, and it's always in the largest print, are Christmas Eve services that we have. But then, you know, all of our December events and opportunities are there too. And the idea is We get our own people to do the word of mouth invitation, personal invitation to invite people to stuff. And um, it's a really nice way of doing it because the postcards work great. Uh, We got the idea because we saw a lot of restaurants doing it. We thought it was a good idea because you could, the postcards this size work really great. Just stick it on a fridge. They last They're like a nice thicker material. And uh, it's a way for people to kind of have it right in front of them. So we do a postcard and uh, a little, Little hack for you if you're looking for images, Christmas or otherwise. There's a website called Pexels, Mm -hmm. uh, P E X E L S, and it's all royalty free, free downloads of images. And they don't always have exactly the image you're looking for, but a lot of times they do, and it's free, and then you don't have to worry about getting uh, sued for copyright issues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We use something called Unsplash here. I don't know if you've ever come across oh, that. Oh, I've heard of that, yeah. Same concept. And, yeah. you know, it just gives you an opportunity to take something that somebody's generated that's really great and use it for your purpose. And you can you can say thank you there. You can rate it so that they get known. And so it really is actually helpful to if you use those websites to help somebody else get known because you're using their content and then saying thank you can be helpful. So you can use guilt-free images, right?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, for example, for the uh, Reclaim Leader podcast, every time uh, we publish our show notes through our website and then it kind of blasts out to Facebook and Twitter and other places that it goes, we use Pexel images uh, so that we don't get into any kind of copyright issues and make right. sure that we are licensed to use that stuff. I think that's really yeah. important, by the way. And a lot of churches sort of ignore that. But I, right. I think it's having integrity uh, matters.
1: Yeah. That's why all of our licenses, our CCLI license and video license and stuff, we sh- we, got, we got to be part of following the rules, right? Yeah, for sure. So postcard is a big deal. So when do you put those in people's hands? I mean, we got our postcard um, just about ready to go. It'll be here uh, any day too. What When do you get that out and what are you asking people to do with it? How do you, how do you create the ask in your congregation?
0: Yep. So they'll be ready this Sunday. We'll have them out. Um, Right when people walk in, uh, we'll have folks stationed at the doors when they leave to hand them out. If anybody wants some, we'll give them multiple copies if they want. We make enough so that people could take two or three if they want. Some people, of course, take none and go on their way, and we pray for them. And <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but um, the idea is then we specifically at the end of the sermon, I'll ask them, "Hey, this is a real practical way for you to reach out." And I like I like calls to action in the sermon moment, because it's just, there's so much more intensity behind it, and it gets, it really stands out in people's minds. Sometimes, you know, we do our announcements before we start the service, and sometimes, just by the time you get to the end, you kind of forget what the announcements were, and so if there's something that we really want to hit, like a big, all congregation, you know, ask, we try to do that as part of the message
1: that's right. And I think that's one where you as the primary communicator can really cast the vision for it too and take the time to really do it in the context of, of the message and I think that can be an important moment. It also reinforces that little thing that people come and say, well if you say it everybody yeah. will do it. <laughs> that's Which true. is true, but we're going to be really strategic about what that's we true. what we bring into the message. We got to you can't overuse that either. But this this is one where it's a concrete action. We want to make Christmas here really great not just for ourselves. But for our community, our friends and neighbors, coworkers. So help us help us do that. And take this card, invite somebody. And I would say this at Christmas time, it's it's one of those low threat times. People people are looking for these kind of opportunities around Christmas time. It's not it's not like you're inviting them to some random message series on Jonah and the whale, which would be great and fun, but might feel a little out of left field. Christmas is a time that, you know, people are kind of looking to engage in the story and uh so it's a, it's a, it's an ask that's reasonable and i think uh, most folks in your congregation would say yeah great give me one i'll i'll hand it out yeah. So,
0: yeah and i know i know companies like outreach.com they they will do all that production for you if you want like they they have some pre-made postcards you could do all that and there's a pretty quick turnaround so you could be ready to go uh you know thanksgiving weekend to hand these things out uh, yeah. even if you're listening in real time and and haven't gotten started on that I think uh, the other thing that I would say about kind of making sure your Christmas is effective is if you are in a a historic church, it's been around a while, you've probably accumulated a lot of Christmas events and activities over the years. Mm -hmm. And I would say it is worth culling what you think are the best things or maybe even repurposing some things. Because probably over time, they become less and less effective. Or they become sort of like the wallpaper. It's just nobody pays attention to them because it's always there. And so uh, we had great success with this recently. Last year, we reimagined two of our events. First of all, we had too many Christmas events. Uh, It was not sustainable for the staff. Everybody was burned out and miserable. And we're like, this isn't good. Like, (laughs) Why are we doing this? Uh, And the two events were waning in their effectiveness. So we took those two events and we reimagined them into one event. And it's a big outreach event that we're doing uh, called Christmas on the Hill. And we invite the community to come. We have a Christmas uh, concert. We have some kind of light fair for the kids, you know, like chicken nuggets and stuff. And then we do, we have fire pits outside. We do s'mores. We do a tree lighting, Uh, you know, do some Christmas carols, all that stuff. So we, and it's really great. And last year, we did it for the first time. We were expecting 200 and we got 400, uh, which was a little crazy. But there is I, what it showed us was there's such a desire for more of those kind of family-free Christmas events. And this year, we're actually doing the concert part in our sanctuary. We didn't do it last year because we want it to be a little more informal feeling. But we think now uh, we can make our sanctuary look pretty inviting and our idea was if these are a lot of people in the area who don't might not go to church they might be intimidated by the very formal look of our building on the outside if we do it in the sanctuary and show them that it's not too intimidating uh, then we think that could be a win so that's our goal for that event's very specific we want people to have a great experience at the church and to want to come back
1: yeah how far out from christmas do you do that
0: uh, December 1st. So, so, it's
1: right at the, st- right, I mean, the right at the start of the kind of the rush. I mean, it's already going with the commercials and the shopping and all that. But yeah. really, after Thanksgiving, it's sort of really paying attention to the Christmas yeah. deal. So, that's kind of kicks off your Christmas stretch, really. It does. It like, yep. Yeah. Very cool. And then, I do think one of the other things I, I like about that kind of more relational, casual event that's invitational like that is I think sometimes as denominational churches or established churches, we do have to overcome our buildings or what people uh, assume happens inside that or expect to see or find in there. And and when the word Presbyterians on our sign, you know, I'm sure all your churches you've debated about whether you should call yourselves that or not, or take it in or leave it, you know, whatever. But there, there are a lot of assumptions that come with a name as well. And so how do you figure out all that help people get past those, what might be initial barriers to come and experience who you really are and go, Oh, I like these people. They're, they're normal. They do, you know, whatever. And uh, kind of go, okay, maybe I was wrong about who I thought they were and what I thought happened inside this building. So um, those kinds of events are great to do that, uh, to help people have an experience with you as a congregation without it being uh, threatening. So good stuff. And, um. and
0: I would say there is still some emotional, uh, some emotions about the fact that we did change two of our events. One was a very long time, once upon a time, extremely successful event that had just waned over the years. Yeah. There's still some feelings about that, but we would much rather reach more people and deal with the feelings than, than not. And I think that's important. It really is for churches to, because think about it. What, what kinds of things around Christmas are you having to manufacture energy for? Are you have less and less volunteers interested in helping out like to, to read those things and to respond and not just kind of, you know, sigh, a big sigh you know, every year. Is isn't
1: that the big metric? I mean, we can use that same thought process for uh, almost everything in the life of the church. You know, what am I manufacturing energy for? What is our team manufacturing energy for to, yeah. in order to pull this off? And it's probably lost its shelf life. Um, we have a really great thing that goes on in the life of the church here at Marine View. Um, and what I love though, is that the, the person that leads it, uh, it's kind of seen the writing on the wall. There's less energy for it, less volunteers for it. Still very popular event. And he said, I think we've got one to two years left and then we need to do something different. And I was like, thank That's you. For, That's healthy. Thank you for being healthy enough to to see that and to know that. And, uh, I really appreciate it. And so I think the, the right kinds of leaders, people get it and, and we might miss it though, because it's, It's been something we experienced with our families or something. So it's okay to acknowledge the loss, but then say, Hey, we're going to do something new and let's go for it.
0: I think I'll I'll definitely also post in the show notes, um, the itinerary for that event, like how it works, like what we do during the time. And then even share if, I, I think I've got some pictures from last year. I'll share some of that stuff. I think seeing what other churches do and kind of actually looking at, okay, this is their schedule. It might inspire uh, our listeners to be like, well, it's a little late to put a big thing like this together, but we can take this idea and you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, I, for sure. I feel like it could really. Well, help. and as a competitive guy, I'll take your itinerary and i'll make it better. So you know.
0: I count no. on it, and then I'll yeah, steal no. it back and That's so,
1: right. We'll just so, no. We should. Mind. It's good to share that kind of stuff. We, as we've said throughout this whole podcast, we've really benefited from folks sharing freely with us best practices, things they've been doing in their congregations and churches. We want to do the same thing. So thanks for. Thanks for putting that out there for us. So repurpose existing events for outreach. Use them not just to reach your own people, but to reach beyond your walls, to to make a space where people can come in and and be a part of it. It's a good strategy.
0: So uh, another thing that I think any church can do, and you could do it for this Christmas, um, is have a Christmas photo booth at your church. So what do I mean? So what we did last year, and what we're gonna do again is... Uh, during Sunday morning, like after service, we invite people to go over to our fellowship hall where we have, uh, you know, like a big Christmas tree and a couple of decorations. We invite them to get their pictures taken. We have a couple of people in the congregation that take pictures. So they have, have all the gear and everything it's free. And in return for getting the picture, which we email to them, uh, we get, capture their emails. So it's a way of getting our guests to give us their information so we can get them on an email list and communicate with them.
1: So that's right. one of the ways that we're trying to yeah.
0: track some of our guests is offer something like a photo booth.
1: Yeah, so we'll be doing the same thing and we're starting um what's the first Sunday in December? Is it December 2nd this year? 2nd, yeah. Right. So we'll be doing that starting September 2nd and uh kind of let it sort of be there and kind of roll along and then uh it'll be up on Christmas Eve. Um, we'll get to Christmas Eve here in a minute, but a lot of times on Christmas Eve, people are want to be in and out and on their way. and we've we've learned that offering additional things or asking for people's attention for very long before or after the service just is not effective on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So um, but having that available as an option even there for people that are maybe coming on Christmas Eve, we're going to try it and see how that goes uh, with that same idea in mind for those that that may want to do that. So, uh, the Christmas photo booth and there's lots of creative people in your church that if you give them that assignment they will take it oh they would um, love it yeah they would love so we are doing so we we um uh, this idea of reaching people and 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 new folks and new faces and guests is is important one thing that we're doing to to kind of create a family moment um that can position that outreach I think a little bit is the Sunday after Thanksgiving we're gonna do an all church Uh, Christmas decorating uh, party. So after our services and everything's done, we're we're buying a whole bunch of pizza and Christmas cookies and hot chocolate and cider, and then just inviting people to help us decorate the whole church, to create the photo booth. Um, We're going to turn our our, our welcome kiosk desk into a fireplace. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what that's going to look like. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have kids make, um, you know, paper chains and popcorn strings and snowflakes to hang from the ceiling and these are not going to, I mean, these are going to be homemade decorations in some places. And then in the sanctuary, we'll have a little bit more, you know, um, a little bit more formal and, and whatever. And, but having teams of people from the congregation and just say, Hey, let's decorate this all together. So the staff and and our elders are going to be kind of leading the charge on, on organizing that. And then we're going to invite everybody to hang out and decorate, kind of have a little family Thanksgiving, Christmas moment as we get ready to welcome a lot of guests into our life. So that's just one idea we're trying this year to create a little bit of that. Hopefully, we're kind of killing two birds with one stone here. We're we're creating a an inwardly focused sort of family moment, but we're also getting something big done in the life of the church, which is decorating for Christmas. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> right.
1: Something we're trying this year, and uh, I'm excited. I excited to see how how that unfolds.
0: I love that. I love that. And again, I feel like it's something that just about any congregation can pull off because that's. That's the thing. I remember uh one year I went down to I don't remember if it was a conference at North Point or if it was an Orange Conference or something, but they had this whole uh program that they have produced for Christmas. And it's like a big a big like play with music and singing and everything. And I took a look at that. I'm like, Yeah, we can't we don't have the talent to pull that off. That's like we just right. uh, we can't do that. And we nor the time. And so I feel like um, it's always helpful to hear like, okay, what are churches like me, like mine
1: doing and take some of the things that you're going to be doing as a staff. So I, I guess we could just get our decorating team and the staff to like put up the garland and trees and things, or we could invite everybody to do it. Right. And kind of make it more collaborative that way. Um, that collaboration piece, I think can be helpful, uh, to, to helping people feel like they're connected to the whole event too of Christmas.
0: And service. So, if there's a service opportunity in the community, I would suggest making a big deal out of that because that's another thing that that grabs uh, people who aren't currently in the walls of your church. Because, you know, for example, we partner with uh, one of our mission local missions that we support. They do a Christmas gift um, store, basically where there's always donated toys and families with little or no means come in and they can shop uh, and they can get Christmas trees and they can get gifts and everything, but it's such a big win. And we always see it's an event that needs about a hundred volunteers. And we always see volunteers of people who are marginally or barely connected with the church. And it's a way that gets them involved.
1: Cause people are oriented to serve this time of year. They they want to do something to give back and whether that's so that they can sort of, Justify their self indulgence of the Christmas, Eve, <laughs> or whether you know because it really does feel good to serve other people yeah. and to be a part of something like that. So, yes, definitely providing service opportunities for your congregation, but also as an in another point of contact for invitation um, can be a lower threat. So, really good. So let's talk Christmas Eve because we're going to be doing things, you know, you got your, your Christmas, uh, you know, message series and it's sort of building towards the Christmas Eve moment. Uh, and so let's, let's just talk through Christmas Eve, what you guys do, um, what your thinking and strategy is with your times of services, content of services, kids, all ages. I mean, how does all this stuff work to really, uh, make the most out of our Christmas Eve opportunity with folks?
0: I feel like every year is, We're constantly refining it, Uh, but kind of our bread and butter has stayed the same. So uh, since I've been here, we've always had a 7 o'clock and a 10 o'clock p.m. traditional Christmas Eve service with choir and brass, and it's really awesome. I mean, and tons of people come out. They love it. And we've always done also a 4:30. We have always called a family service. Oh yeah, and the seven and ten are candlelight services at the end. The 4:30 family service was for a long time kind of I don't I don't know what to call it. I think we just didn't know what it was. We were trying to make it more casual, but we didn't. But we also wanted to include some of the other elements that we did at the other services. But a couple of years ago, we straight up just said, look, we have a whole contemporary crowd now. Let's give them a contemporary family service. So some folks who prefer contemporary can get some kind of Christmas Eve service in a style that they enjoy. So we went really video heavy, uh, contemporary music heavy, because it's the kind of service that like the whole family's there. And it's like trying to manage the ocean because you got like a million
1: All ages, man. All ages. And you're trying to make it work.
0: And we started, and we do a glow stick candle lighting for them. And let me tell you, the kids go nuts for it. Like, it's one of their favorite things, the glow stick candle lighting, which is really just like you hand out glow sticks and tell them to raise them up and we sing Silent Night. Like (laughs) So, um, now last year, because Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday, we did something different. And instead of having Sunday morning regular services, we just had... Our 10.30, which is our contemporary service, we had a 10.30 a.m. family contemporary service at that hour. And it was the biggest uh, one that we've had. It was so well received. Now, even though Christmas Eve isn't on a Sunday this year, we thought there might be something to a family, young families wanting to do Christmas Eve in the morning because the kids aren't in meltdown mode. There's a lot of stuff going on at night. Yeah. So, we added a service. So, we're going to do 10 30 a.m. and 4 30 p.m. identical contemporary family services, glow stick candlelighting, and 7 and 10 p.m. traditional regular candlelighting.
1: Yeah, can't wait to see how that turns out. We had that yeah. same internal conversation because we were really shocked at, uh, at our morning service last Christmas Eve as well. And I was like, is it because it's Sunday or because people really want an earlier Christmas Eve experience before they go do their family stuff and, and they can kind of for lack of a better word, check it off the list and have, have worship together and, and done that and then go on. So we chose, we chose not to. And so we'll, I'll be curious to see who's right. Yeah, here. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who's yeah. Right. but I'm glad you're doing it because how would you know if you don't try it, right? Exactly. And, and put it out there and see what happens. So nice job doing that. And, um, so you're thinking from a guest standpoint, what's most helpful for people? When do we, when are we going to do it? What type of audience are we looking at? When do, when do people respond? And and that's what you're, that's how you're thinking about your, your time. So not what's most convenient for you or your staff or whatever, but what, what would be best for the people who will be attending and participating? So when you're thinking about your service times, keep that in mind, your different communities might have different rhythms and and kinds of things like that. So um, we are, we are doing four o'clock and seven o'clock this year. Um, we've decided to err way on the side of overcrowded rather than sort of um, uh, and more diffused, and so we we're moving from three to two. I don't know if that's going to be a good choice or not. People might be really frustrated. Um, we're right on the edge of standing room in some of our services, and so we'll just see what happens with that. But our our thinking was there's something community building when you when you're sort of packed in a room together too. So yeah. But we're going to have candles at both of our services. Our first one's all ages, kind of that family service. Second one's uh, uh, is more for you know a little bit more formal, even though both are more contemporary in nature for us. But there's candle lighting at both, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> with the all ages one. Uh, uh, but here's a, here's one thing I would I would say just about that when you're thinking about your Christmas Eve services, the really the only rules are if you get Silent Night and joy to the world. That's and you it. you get the candlelight part right, and then the lights come up and you sing joy to... If you get that right, then everything else is sort of like, you know, compliments. It's, you know, the, that's, the, that's the main dish. And so, you got to get that, get the message, the Christmas message leading into the candlelight Christmas Eve, you know, silent night, and then into joy to the world. If the rest is, you know, make it whatever you want. Just get that stuff right. So, anyway. And-
0: and I, I'll be curious what your response to this is, but when it comes to preaching on Christmas Eve, yeah. in our family contemporary services, I rarely go over 10 minutes. And in our traditional evening services, I rarely go over about 12 minutes it, because people are tired. They don't want to hear you drone on and on about a million different examples about Joseph and Mary. And like, they they <laughs> like you, you don't need to try to get over creative. We sort of said this on the front end of this episode, but just tell them the story and give them a thought or two. Maybe something that impacted you this year as you read the stories again, these familiar stories. Point out, hey, they're familiar stories, and but hey, yeah. there's this one thing that I just need to hear and want to share with you, but keep it simple. Keep it to the point and get on Cause they want to get on with their lives.
1: That's right. And um, I'll be, I'd be willing to post kind of our order of service too. I don't know if you'd be willing to do that just to kind of give a sense of how we tackle it. We do um, we do it a little bit differently. We we use, so basically I summarize the four Advent sermons into little vignettes on Christmas Eve. Nice. So we'll read the scripture passage. Uh, I'll say a, really like a three to four minute reflection on that passage, summing up the sermon from, you know, the different, Sundays in, in the Christmas season. And usually there's an object lesson or something to keep people's attention. We'll sing a Christmas carol right after that. And then we'll do that. We'll read scripture, do the little vignette, reflection, song, and we'll do that multiple times, building to sort of the Christmas story from Luke 2 and then um, Silent Night and Joy to the World. So there's different ways you can organize it. But I think the heart way, what we're both saying is, so in some ways, less is more on the message part of the Christmas Eve service. You want to give them meaningful content. You want to present the gospel, but you want to do it in a way that uh, causes good feelings in the people and not (laughs) squirming in their seats and wanting, how long is this guy going to go or how long is this lady going to talk? You know, so good stuff.
0: Right. Exactly. So man, I'm, I'm looking at our time. We've already just, we're droning on, man. We got to say about
1: Christmas, but I would say this for the Christmas Eve, what, what has worked well from a preparation standpoint if, I really, if we go back and summarize the sermons from the Christmas series, the work is already done. Yeah. You just got to tighten it up into a little package. Then you can say it without even really needing your notes, and you, you got it right there. And then the one thing coming out of the Christmas Eve service that I know you do and, and, and that we're going to do this year, uh, again, is to give people uh, at least a little heads up of what's happening in January, maybe one little... Um, Carrot, as you like to say, one little thing that's out there to to kind of draw them back, get get their interest. And and maybe you'll get a few folks that say, you know what? We had such a good experience on Christmas Eve. We should give them a chance in January. We when we're making our New Year's resolutions, maybe they do have something to say about our lives. We'll yeah.
0: see. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And to not be afraid to just, you know, think about what are the pain points of the people that you're talking to? You know, what are the pain points of the young families and try to address them. You know, it's sort of yeah. that old uh uh Shuler uh comment, Robert Shuler, you know. Um and I'm trying to remember the quote exactly, but it's like uh find a hurt and heal it, right?
1: Or speak to uh, it, find or a if, and
0: fill it. Yeah, find a hurt Lenny
1: Lucetti, who we talked to just a handful yeah. of episodes back, preaching with empathy. Keep yeah. your audience in mind. What are the what, are, what is what does the Christmas story say about their real lives and the thing they're facing? Yeah. Uh and this good stuff. So uh dealing with kids in the Christmas Eve uh you know moment. I think one thing we just say at the beginning at the all ages service, we say, Hey, there's going to be a lot. Of, there's a lot of kids here tonight. We love kids. <laughs> yep. If you're looking for a quiet service, this isn't going to be it. Parents, <laughs> families, don't feel like you have to like overmanage your kids. You know, do, you know, they're going to score them we get that about kids. We love them and we have some things in mind for them in this service. And so we really try to do some things for the kids on purpose yeah. to keep their attention, to help the parents, to keep it active. And, but at the same time, just to acknowledge that kids are going to be kids, and if you want a quiet service, come come a little later in the night <laughs> when the kids are already at home in bed or whatever. So,
0: and uh, giving permission for them on the front end, I think that's totally,
1: good. yeah, just creating that environment right out of the gate.
0: Well, Jesse, we have uh, we've talked a lot and covered a lot of ground. Um, I hope that this is helpful to our listeners. And if you have any questions or you want to continue the conversation. You can reach out to us anytime, Jason or Jesse at ReclaimLeader.com or jump onto our uh, Facebook group, the Reclaim Leader Podcast and uh, get a conversation going with the folks in there. And you know, I would love to talk more if anybody has any questions. And again, we'll post as much as we can in the show notes. If you're not sure how to get the show notes, the easy way to do it is to subscribe. And you can do that through our website, ReclaimLeader.com. Go to the, the subscription tab. We actually have a, a great free download resource, Five Proven Strategies to Get People Engaged with Scripture. And uh, you get that for free. And then you automatically get our show notes every single week uh, from every episode that we do, plus some other, other things. So want to encourage you to do I love that.
1: getting that email every week on Tuesday. There it is in my inbox. There it and, is, man. And review what we talked about and go, oh, yeah, that was a great conversation. and Or kind of hit back on the Points that really uh, stuck out to me, or I want to review, or whatever. So, um, yeah, really glad that you're listening in. Hope that Christmas, Christmas preparations, and all the listening to Christmas commercials—if you're a TV person—that you survived that, and that uh, your Christmas stretch is a good one. And that God works in and through you to, to reach people that He loves. And that really, that's what what the season is about. That God doesn't hold anything back from us. He shows up in person. He's up close and personal in that way, and we get to present that message to world that needs that message. And so uh, it's a privilege and an opportunity. And so hope that uh, this helps you think about the Christmas season and maybe some fresh ways, or maybe you already have a lot of better ideas out there that you're running with. And either way, look forward to, to getting to celebrate Christmas, Jason, and I wish you all the best as you guys get ready for that too. Thank you for
0: listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.